1: There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. there's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time. The Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown! Kansas City! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Well, that was my first weekend.
2: It is my first weekend, our first weekend, without Cardinal baseball since February. And I'm here to report it has gone very well. <laughs> well <laughs> Yesterday <good>. was nuts! <laughs> Yesterday was crazy! And look, I love the Cardinals to be in this thing, and but I'm talking about college football and everything else wrapped into one. It is a Wild time in sports
3: with everything getting started, Brian Kelly. What do you think? It was fun. Uh, It started out listening to the Mississippi game against Arkansas, and Arkansas comes down and scores. I like that they went for two. Uh, Their defense could not stop Mississippi, and I guess they decided, you know what, let's win this in regulation. And uh, with no time on the clock, their uh, point after attempt was incomplete, and so Mississippi does come away with the win. Then caught the end of the Oklahoma game against Texas. Oklahoma fell way behind, comes back, and wins it on a last, what, three seconds left. And the Alabama-Texas A&M game, of course, uh, just tremendous. Caught the Mizzou game, a little bit of that in between. And, uh, of course, the Illini didn't do much. That, that kind of that sucks. But, you know, uh, just exciting. It's just so much fun to watch these kids play their heart out in front of all those fans. And it, it was a great day.
2: Yeah, it's good to see college football back with crowds and bands and cheerleaders and student sections and alumni going nuts. And boy, they college station's got to be a disaster right now after the yeah. party they had last night. I'm probably still <laughs> out uh, partying after that. They beat Alabama, as BK mentioned, 41-38. Uh, they rattled off 21 straight, did Alabama, and you thought, well, here they go. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what they do. They they yep. tighten it up, and they find a way to escape, but they didn't, and they actually set the stage for a folk hero now in Zach Calzada, who's actually not their starting quarterback. Uh, he is the second-string quarterback. He did not start the first two games of the season. And Texas A&M, which has been a mess this year, they really haven't done much at all. They hadn't won a game in the SEC. They win an epic game in which Calzada throws a touchdown pass to tie the game, gets hit in the left knee, goes down, can't get up. They have to help him off the field. They bring him into the medical tent, take a look at him, and lo and behold, after Alabama's held, they go back out with Calzada. He comes back (laughs) out to play and drives him down the field and a 28-yard field goal as time expires and a party at Kyle Field, which I've never been to. And after watching that last night, I've seen a lot of games there. That has to be on my list. I mean, I've been to yeah. some great places, but I need to get there. I've, I was told so many times when Mizzou played there that you've got to go, you got to see it one time.
3: And now, oh, by the way, Texas A&M plays Missouri next week. Uh, It's a gotcha game, yeah, right? It's a gotcha game, yeah. Texas A&M, you know, like you said, they're still partying; they'll still be hungover, and they'll come into Mizzou and go, "Yeah, well, this is Missouri," and and the Tigers are going to do it.
2: Maybe so. I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we'll see. I mean, Mizzou's going to have to tighten up its defense, (laughs) like a lot. Uh, They got they got outgained in this game. Actually, gave up four hundred ninety-one total yards, but found a way to win against North Texas. The mean green, I mean, it's not a pushover program necessarily, but a team that they absolutely should beat, and they did 48-35. But the total yards, 493 to 474 in favor of North Texas, ran for 188. But Missouri runs for 306. Tyler Beatty is a big talent. Uh, He wears number one on his uniform, and he is just locked in. He he was terrific. Uh, He ran for 217 yards yesterday. As Missouri gets the win, 48-35. You mentioned Illinois gets shut out, twenty-four to nothing. How about that? Ole Miss Arkansas game, crazy. Uh, I I don't know. I could go either way on that. I, I I admire the teams who try to go for two and try to win it. But then again, you know, you you got a chance against Ole Miss. It's a team that you could handle maybe uh, in an overtime situation, but they decide not to and they get beat. Uh, I thought the 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 setup of the day, the game going into the day that had the most excitement for me was Iowa, Penn State, and mm-hmm. Alabama a and I thought that Bama game would be really interesting. But uh, Penn State and, and Iowa, two teams that have beaten my team, Indiana, and Cincinnati, another top-five team that's beaten Indiana, I would rank them in that order of, of the best that I saw. Iowa was the best team we saw, Penn State the second best, and Cincinnati, the third best, and Iowa does come through. Although there were times yesterday where I didn't think they would, uh, but they find a way. Spencer Petrus, their quarterback, is you talk about tough, mm-hmm. he got knocked around too. Iowa's really good. Uh, they win 23 20, they their defense got it done, their crowd got it done. Penn State was looked to totally lost their late, a bunch of penalties, and so Penn State loses, and that's going to hurt them. Uh, come uh, evaluation time, unless they can rally here. Iowa's going to be number two in the country, I do believe, when the polls come out today.
3: You think they should be number one? No, Georgia's number Georgia's one by number far. One. Get the SEC. Georgia's the like best that.
2: team in the country by far right now. Yeah, think so. Yeah, yeah. Alabama's going to be right back there. Uh, I, I don't know if Alabama loses again, unless it's to Georgia. Uh, Alabama's schedule's a lot softer here mm-hmm. down the road. But Georgia's just dominant. I mean, they went into Auburn and shut that crowd up. 34-10, to 10, <laughs> they won that game. Uh, the other teams, you know, Ohio State's going to start to make a move here. They're ranked sixth in the country. They just torched Maryland 66-17. Uh, keep an eye on Michigan. That's a nice win for them. Very, very nice win. Uh, they go on the road and win at Nebraska and escape 32-29. So they stay unbeaten. Nebraska continues to shoot itself in the foot. Michigan State's unbeaten. They're 6-0, first time in about six years, and they win at Rutgers 31-13. Uh, you know, it's it's a team definitely to watch. Uh, watch out for Kentucky. That Kentucky team is tough. Uh, they won over LSU 42-21, and they have a very good defense uh, A team that I think you'll have to pay attention to. They're also unbeaten. But we'll see. Uh, Coastal Carolina's unbeaten. They're going to try to make their case. Who else is unbeaten? Oklahoma State had the week off. Uh, so those are the unbeatens, uh, Cincinnati, I mentioned. And then there's Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is uh, an absolute beast. Uh, you know, it's it's a great, great program and a very talented team. The Big 12 is just so wide open with offense and that you wonder who's going to score last, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And But they are very impressive in how they won uh, over Texas, 55-48, That has just got to be a relief for Oklahoma fans who have had some tight games this year. And they fell behind behind big
3: early. I saw a tweet early in the game that said Oklahoma's being exposed. And I wonder what that guy felt after the game because they sure came storming back and won that game. The biggest comeback ever in that Red River battle. Yeah, Uh, they,
2: they made a quarterback switch. So Spencer Rattler was benched, and Caleb Williams came in, the freshman. He took off for a long touchdown run. He fired some Pretty nice-looking touchdown passes. I watched that game. I watched Iowa-Penn State. I watched Alabama-Texas A&M at night. I flipped over to Nebraska-Michigan. There were some big programs going head-to-head, head, and that was really, really a lot of fun. So congrats to the Sooners fans out there, to the Hawkeye fans. I know we have a lot of those in our audience as well. So some huge wins, in the Irish one at Virginia yeah. Tech. That's not an easy place to win at all. Uh, they won 32-29. They're ranked 14th in the country, Brian. They're 5-1, and one. They definitely will move up as Arkansas drops uh, pretty far down, I would imagine, after that loss. We'll see where it all goes. You know, Oregon took a loss to Stanford, so their playoff hopes are severely damaged. That mm-hmm. was two weeks ago. Right. That was a wild game, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been interesting. I thought college football the day was just fantastic. I want to bounce, uh, and, and I'll go through some of that stuff here coming up before we talk to Bob Ramsey, the voice of the Billikens at the bottom of the hour about his thoughts on the Cardinals, but also college basketball, because Slew is practicing and getting ready. But let me get your quick thoughts on the blues. Uh, you know, they are putting their roster together and, and here's what it looks like right now. Okay. After they made some moves. So, Uh, Perunovic goes down. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a big big surprise, but we will see him soon. He needs to play a lot. Yeah. James Neal signs, Mm -hmm. and I I like this. He has a a knack for scoring, seems to be a really good guy. I haven't really been around him, but people who who have been uh, really like him. Uh, You know, I always look at the defensemen first and see who's going to protect Jordan Bennington Mm -hmm. and this lead and this team. And I see Bortuzzo, Falk, Krug, Mikola, Pareco Scandela Wallman, who's pretty good.
3: Yeah. do you like that group right now? I do I think I'd like to see more from Tori Krug than we saw last year. Uh, he kind of had a transition year like Falk did the year before and last year Falk was outstanding. If, if Tori Krug can step up and, and do what uh, Falk did last year, I like it a lot better <clears throat> and it a lot depends on Pareco's health. If he's back to full health and can play the way Colton Krako can play, then, yeah, it's a good group.
2: What about at forwards? So here are your forwards right now. Uh, this is in alphabetical order. Barbashev, Bozak, Buchnevich, Clifford, Kostin, Cairo, Neal, Neighbors, I want to get your thoughts on him, mm-hmm. O'Reilly, of course, Peron, Saad, Shen, Sunquist, Tarasenko, and Robert Thomas. So let's focus on Neighbors.
3: And Costin, they both have a lot to prove. Uh, Neighbors was very impressive in the in the training camp and in the preseason games. Really excited to see him play. And kostin has been the guy we've been looking for for a couple of years. And so the question is: is is this going to be the year that he steps into that and becomes a, a real NHL level pro? So I think there's some question marks there for sure. We're, they've gone heavier with uh, Butchnevich and, uh and and uh, Neil. And so they're, they're going for more of that Barubi style. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Cairo can be uh, consistent this year and Tarasenko looks good so far.
2: Yeah. I do think that Neil is a Baruby type player. I think that this yeah. is going to be a fun year for him from that standpoint. The blues open by the way, on Saturday. So they have a lot of time off in their preseason. That's complete. Now they mm-hmm. gear themselves up for a regular season game at the avalanche on Saturday night for an 8 o'clock faceoff, and then they go to Arizona, and then they go to Vegas, and then they come home. So they won't be home until Saturday the 23rd against the Kings, but until then, we'll see what they're made of on the road.
3: Yeah, got to start with a tough one, and then you get a couple of games that, uh, well, one game you should win at Arizona, although, boy, did they uh, mess with us last year. And uh, Vegas is picked to be uh, right up there with Colorado. So uh, a tough start on those two two out of three road games.
2: I'll get into the baseball playoffs next segment, but let me get, um, I didn't get to see this because I was watching football all night long and then I went to bed, but I, I was watching on social media the response to Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Uh, this is a heavyweight bout that those who watched it tell me that it's one of the best they've ever seen. Now I grew up, with all respect to that, I grew up in—I feel like some of the best heavyweight bouts of of my life. I unfortunately was not old enough to have—I'm not old enough to have seen Muhammad Ali fight, mm-hmm. although I've watched them, yeah, uh, in you know on on video. But live, Mike Tyson, uh, some great middleweight fights with Hagler and Hearns. I mean, I've seen some great stuff. But in terms of heavyweights, you know, people are talking about Fury as being this incredible human being. I mean, I, I, I saw it. I saw some clips of it. He looks pretty darn dominant. I give Wilder a lot of credit for somehow still standing after all that. But Fury was knocked down a couple of times, was able to rally and get himself back, and he wins and retains the WBC belt. I, I'll say this, Brian. I think it's good for boxing that it has this kind of buzz. I, I've always rooted for boxing
3: since MMA uh, and UFC yeah. came into came into vogue. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, MMA I'm not really interested in. Boxing has, has moved way down the list over the years. But having grown up in the Muhammad Ali, George Frazier, uh, you know, that, that era. I remember sitting at the kitchen table listening to those. They didn't even do the fight. They just did recaps on them. And you'd listen to each round-by-round round recap because they weren't allowed to carry them live. You had to go to theater to watch them. Uh, but Muhammad Ali was is the greatest of all time, and I don't see anybody ever being any better than him.
2: Wilder knocked down in the third round, appeared to be on his way out, but somehow he rallied. He knocked down Fury twice in the final minutes of the fourth round, and then Fury finally finished it in the 11th. Uh, he knocked Wilder face first to the canvas with a right hand, and they stopped the fight. In the 11th round, Fury over Wilder last night in Vegas, and the world was buzzing about that one for sure and we'll take another look at that as we go along this morning so sports on a Sunday morning at 10 30 it's the voice of the Billikens Bob Ramsey at 11 5 we'll touch on the NFL a little bit and then we'll have our NFL week five picks with Lauren Lovett we'll also look at the Chiefs and the Bills tonight on KMOX 720 start for the Sunday night game 11.30, John Mosaloc will be with us in his normal slot, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, as we recap the 2021 season. At 11.45, our old boss, John Sheehan, is going to join us. A really? uh, big uh, charity event uh, for uh, his uh, group, and uh, it's called Light the Night, mm-hmm. and uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, oh, yeah. and we'll, we'll yeah. look at that. Uh, coming up at 11.45. So a lot to get to here on Sports on a Sunday morning. We'll be back with a look at the MLB playoffs right after this.
1: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gunner, Big fly. Nolan R. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Philippines win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: We are about five minutes away from the voice of the Billikins, Bob Ramsey, joining us. We'll get his thoughts on the Cardinals as well and also talk Billikins with him and much more on the show as John Moselock will be with us at 1130. Lots more football. We'll get into the NFL starting in the 11 o'clock hour, and touch on some more college football. A lot happening yesterday in sports. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning. Let's circle back to baseball for a moment and let you know what happened yesterday. The Dodgers and the Braves are coming home after splitting the first two games of their respective NL Division Series. Jose Urias hit an RBI single and limited the Giants to a run and three hits over five innings. As the Dodgers routed San Francisco 9-2, to they broke it open in the sixth, Cody Bellinger and A.J. Pollock each delivered RBI doubles. Will Smith added a home run, leading off the Dodgers three-run eighth. The losing pitcher was Kevin Gossman. He was reached for four runs on four hits and three walks over five and a third innings. The Giants managed just six hits after shutting out L.A. on Friday four to nothing. They couldn't do anything this time around. And then there was Max Fried of the Braves. He combined with three relievers on a five-hitter as the Braves blanked the Brewers three to nothing. Freed struck out nine, limited Milwaukee to three hits over six innings. Brewers didn't get a runner in scoring position until Willie Adamas hit a two out double in the sixth and Freed responded by striking out Eduardo Escobar. I listened to that on the Brewers radio network while I was running errands yesterday. Yes, I didn't spend all day on college football. I was listening to Bob Eucher call the game. Boy, it was rocking there. Uh, in Milwaukee when Escobar hit the double, and the place is like, let's go. And then Freed finds a way to get out of the sixth, shook hands with everybody, and he was finished, and then the Brewers uh, could not crack that Atlanta bullpen. Austin Riley homered. Ozzy Albies had an RBI double for the Braves. They bounced back after losing 2-1 to in Game 1, and that NL Division Series resumes on Monday. So they're both even at a game apiece. The Dodgers and the Giants with that series going back to L.A. and the Braves and the Brewers with the series now shifting to Atlanta 1-1. In the American League, those series are changing venues and will resume today. The Red Sox and the Rays split their first two games, and it's Nathan Ivaldi starting game three after pitching well in Boston's wild-card win over the Yankees on Tuesday. He is back, and Rays manager Kevin Cash is going with Drew Rasmussen. The Red Sox posted a 14-6 rout of the Rays on Friday after absorbing a 5 nothing shutout in the series opener. So it has been uh, Jekyll and Hyde for them, and they came out flying in their second game routing the Rays. We'll see what that means today. The Red Sox and Rays at Fenway Park will begin at 3.07 this afternoon. Again, Evaldi against Rasmussen. The night game, Tony LaRusse's season is on the line. The White Sox hosting the Astros, who have been dominant in these first two games. White Sox are going to look to avoid a three-game sweep. The Southsiders uh, will be uh, taking on a very good Rookie of the Year candidate, in Luis Garcia, the right-handed pitcher for the Astros, pretty tough. We'll see how that goes. La Russa saying that Carlos Rodon might pitch a potential game four. He was limited down the regular season stretch because of shoulder soreness and fatigue. But he might be available for a game four if they get there. Houston has earned five run victories in each of the first two games. We'll take a break, and we'll circle back to the Cardinals and the Billikens as the voice of the Billikens, Bob Ramsey, joins us next. I'm Tom Ackerman, coming up on 1030 on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX.
1: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday Morning. And it's a gunner. Big Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
4: Goodwin with Collins. Yuri back to Jay Good, left wing. Step back three. Bang, he got it. That's, that's special. Yes, that's shot. Should have taken Rebound, French. Haas in the lane. Jump, punk, Yes! Another more turnover. More full court pressure. Yes. Three point game, 71
2: 68. Uh, that's the last time that we heard our man, Bob Ramsey, calling basketball games on KMOX with Earl Austin Jr. That was on March 20th. Mr. Ramsey, how are you doing this morning?
4: Good morning, Tom. How are you, sir?
2: I am doing great. I'm looking forward to some basketball. That's for sure, Rammer, as college basketball is going to be alive and well here in a couple weeks. Billikins are practicing, aren't they?
4: Yeah, they really are, you know, and uh, the first time I think ever, I didn't go back and look at exhibition games, but the Billikens will be playing exhibition games in October. The 26th, Rockhurst is in town, and then on the 31st, Lindenwood comes out from St. Charles to its Arena, and I mean two October games. So they are exhibitions, but it's a new-look team. A great chance for everybody to get a look at the Billikins and uh, I can't wait. Oh, boy,
2: Lindenwood pulling at Earl Austin Jr.'s heartstrings there. Uh, that's that's yep. a matchup.
4: And that's my alma mater uh-huh. as well. So it's weird with Earl and I there. I don't think we'll wear any Lindenwood stuff, though. I think we gotta, <laughs> we got to draw the line pretty clearly.
2: That's right. Earl still the all-time leading scorer at Lindenwood, I do believe.
4: I believe score and rebounder, I believe. Yeah, he's one of the, Earl's one of the all-time greats to play at Lindenwood and I was one of the worst players ever <laughs> to play at Lindenwood. So it again, our partnership finds balance.
2: Oh, it is a great partnership. 31 years if I have my math right, uh for you two together calling games, isn't that right?
4: Yeah, that's correct. It's been uh it's really weird, almost crazy when you think about it. But my goodness, we've seen a lot of things.
2: Yes, you have. And the Billikens will be. And I played these uh, highlights before he left because it's my first topic. Uh, Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French uh, back to back there. But now you're going to have to enjoy life uh, without those two. I feel like they're well equipped to do so. But still, what great, great players in the history of SLU basketball.
4: Yeah, that's one of those tandems, you know, that sort of break down eras. As I go back, and this is old timey for for some of the year, long, younger listeners, but you know, you got you know Bonner, Gray, Douglas, and then you've got and Highmark, Waldman, and then you got the Larry Hughes. So you go through these eras, and uh, the Goodwin French era um, is really important. Um, it set the tone that Travis Ford had brought the program back. Is he got a local kid to stay. He goes to New York and brings Hassan French in, sets the tone defensively, and then ultimately offensively for what these two kids could do and get them back to the NCAA tournament. Um, uh, It was – we saw a lot of great things with the the era of the the Goodwin-French pairing.
2: This was the second-highest scoring team in the A-10 last year. The St. Louis Billikens averaged 75 a game, also – a darn good defensive team, and as you mentioned, uh, a rebounding team that could really get after it. They were the eighth-best rebounding margin in the country at yeah. plus 8.9. That's a big deal. Uh, we'll see how that uh, shakes out. They are also a really good passing team, Bob. I mean, 17-and-a-half assists per game was number one in the conference and seventh in the country. And that's really where it starts, isn't it? It was when your point guard... Can run the show, and they have a good one in Yuri Collins.
4: Well, Yuri is um, he's, he's one of the guys that'll be looked at nationally as uh, among the group of I don't know whatever number you want to pick, eight a dozen top 20 point guards in the country. He's definitely uh, definitely in that group. And you hit on a couple of key points, I think that that'll that'll be interesting to follow and see how the questions are answered. One. You lose about 17 rebounds a game. How do you make up for that? And then the defense. Um, If you don't defend, you're probably not going to play a lot for Travis Ford. Having said that, I think this team will shoot better, and I think they'll score more. So do you score more but give up more? Will this group of unbelievable athletes um, be able to um, play defense, maybe not in the – bully ball way that that French and Goodwin manhandled people but with a sort of lightning strike defense and turn balls over and get out on the run here's the other thing when you talk about passing and you're right about that a terrific passing team and add to that I've only seen a couple of practices so far but Travis said to me he thinks Jordan Nesbitt the St. Louisan who transfers from Memphis to St. Louis is the second best passer on the team mm. So when you've got an athlete, a six-six athlete who can play four or five positions in Nesbit, who's also a great passer, um, I think the offense uh, will do some things that we haven't seen in a long, long time.
2: He went to the St. Louis Christian Academy, four-star prospect Jordan Nesbit. If you don't remember him, you will very quickly because he is. Some player, as you said, and, and I know Travis Ford lights up when I mention his name. I'll tell you the name. I, I'm going to circle back to Javante Perkins in just yeah. a moment, but I'll tell you the name. Every single person connected with the SLU program I feel, <laughs> that I've talked to, it feels like it's the first name out of their mouth, and that's Francis Okoro. They all say, wait until you see the big man, Okoro, the transfer from Oregon. What have you seen so far, Rammer?
4: What I've seen is a guy who who goes out of his area to get rebounds, has length and leap, and can go get rebounds, and is a ridiculous shot blocker. Um, Now, Hassan French, one of the best shot blockers in in St. Louis U history, but Nesbitt is pushing 6'10", with ridiculously long arms, great timing and and leaping ability. Um, I think as he, you know, he really hasn't played in, gosh, 20 months, something like that. So as he sort of gets his offensive feet under him within the the slew system, um, I I don't know what he's going to do scoring-wise. But I do know that he will protect the rim um, uh, on the defensive end and grab rebounds at a ridiculous rate. He is going to be fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. And as the offense comes for him – Look out. He is going to be big time, and I think he matches up really well against the centers in the Atlantic 10.
2: Yeah, when he came out of high school, he was a top 10 center in the country, I would say, and uh, at one point with the Ducks, although it didn't work out there for him, he did grab 17 rebounds in a game. That was a career best for him. We'll see what he does here at SLU. Bob Ramsey, the voice of the Billikens, with us. So there are a lot of people to be excited about. And I think a key player, don't you, coming into this year is Terrence Hargrove. I mean, he has energy that I think the crowd's going to fall in love with if you haven't seen this team in person. A lot of people haven't because of the pandemic and and COVID. I'm excited to see the crowds back at Chaffetz Arena. But Hargrove, I was surprised what a better uh, shot he was from the outside. He's a good shot from the outside, but mostly he's just an energy guy.
4: Well, here's here's what's great about, about TJ, Terrence Hargrove Jr., one of my all-time favorite Billiken guys. He's a delight to be around. I got to know him a little bit away from Slu. Um, uh, my youngest son was working in a in a a program, um, and, and we'd see Terrence working there as well, um, the Pure Sweat program, and uh, he and Yuri were there all summer long working. Got to know him a little bit, but TJ has this kind of personality that is just electric, just like his game. I wasn't surprised to see him uh, become a much better three point shooter because of the work he puts in. He seems so happy, go lucky and fun and you know, and the you see him being a cheerleader and, and doing the dancing stuff and all that, and that's all legit. He really is a fun person, but it belies his work ethic. He really works hard. And when you look at guys like him and Mark I Strickland and Jordan Nesbitt and and then Okoro on the big guy running the floor and Yuri Collins pushing it. Um, uh, when the Billikens get out and run this year, um, we're going to need a dunk meter because it's going to be ferocious, it's going to be electric, and it's going to be a ton of fun.
2: Yeah, that's fun. And Hargrove, to me, they're just a different team when Terrence Hargrove Jr. is on the floor. That's the kind of player you want. I love that description yep. of him off the floor too. That sounds right. I, I, I just, uh, I look forward to getting to know him a little bit more, as I just love watching him play. He jumps out at me for sure. Uh, and uh, Javante Perkins is special. I mean, he we yes. know that he's a he's a scoring machine. He's a special player. I guess the only question would be, you know, when your best player Jordan Goodwin. Uh, moves forward, and now you are the guy. Can he handle that? I would have to imagine that he can.
4: Yeah, Perkins is a pro. He's 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 gonna he's gonna be a pro. And um, I I have um, without jinxing it, I just think he's gonna have one of the great seasons we've seen, you know, in Billiken history. I I, I don't think again, depending on how your offense goes and health and all those kind, sort of disclaimers. This is a guy that can that can average twenty a game, and he's going to drop some thirty bombs on people. And uh, 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 Perkins is a really special talent, um, uh, and he's the kind of guy that he could have left. He elected to stay for his extra so-called COVID year and uh, uh, put on a lot of strength in the weight room this summer. Um, and um, but his shooting touch is uh, remarkable. What I love about him when you watch his game, he lets the game come to him. And then as the game goes on, all of a sudden he starts to take over. That's sort of been his uh, MO, game to game. And then by the second half, he's the kind of kid that's just taken over. He's He is really, truly a special talent.
2: I'm excited about it. I'm excited about Travis Ford's program and uh, the long-term future of SLU. I, I just feel like And it's been this way for a while that they've put a lot into men's basketball, but athletics in general, but men's basketball. I mean, that arena is one of the better arenas you'll find. It's right on campus. It's 10,000 seats. It gets loud. It's intimate. It's technologically advanced. There's a view of a screen everywhere you sit if you want to watch a replay. It's a great place. has to be a great place to call a game for you, too, Ramer.
4: Yeah, I love it, and and uh, uh, the crowd is back. The students will be back. It's, um, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you mentioned Travis Ford. Here's the thing to remember about Travis is the way he embraces recruiting and the way through COVID and the transfer po- portal has changed recruiting, and he and his staff absolutely embrace it. Go through the roster and all the different avenues – these young men have taken to end up at SLU to show you how the Billikens have done it. Prep school kids, foreign kids, multi-transfer kids, grad transfer kids, local kids. And it's, it's, it's a whole, uh, Oh, here's a word we don't use in sports very often, Tom. Milieu. Oh, <laughs> I like it. We get all these different avenues to get athletes here. And what what's really interesting is in today's game and, uh, You and Travis could have a great conversation about this, how not only do you have to go recruit kids outside the program, because of the transfer portal, you got to always recruit your own kids. And turnover in programs, every program, is going to be so huge year after year after year. The coaches that embrace that challenge, like Travis, those are the ones who will remain successful.
2: Let me get – I love that, by the way. You're absolutely right. Let me get a couple of thoughts from you before we go. This is Bob Ramsey, the voice of the Billikens, who uh, I got to see the other day in the office. It was great to see you again and talk with you. And uh, Two things. One, um, I I want you to tell us about the baseball project that you have going on at the Lake of the Ozarks um, as you continue to expand this sport for many youth around the area. I think it's wonderful, Rammer.
4: Oh, that's really nice of you to bring it up. Yeah, Ballparks National at the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, fall season's just about over, but it's not too early to take, to take a look at 2022 and all the great things we have coming up, including some week-long events uh, in June and July um, that are really are great challenges and great fun. Just go to ballparksnational.com, take a look at our schedule for 2022 and whether you have a baseball kid or uh, a young lady playing softball, we have events for you. It's a lot of fun, and I hope you come see us. We never rain out. Synthetic turf field, state-of-the-art. And um, thank you again for, for mentioning it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I wanted to make sure we got that in there. And, and while we're on the baseball topic, what are your thoughts on this ball club? We're going to have John Moselock at 1130, and he'll do some serious evaluating here in the off season to see how they can avoid having to play a wild card situation again and try to win the division. But it was some year, wasn't it? I mean, the the d- deepest downs and the highest ups. And then in the end, they get bounced by the world champs, Ramer.
4: Well, you know, it's so funny the way the season has gone. And in some ways typical, in some ways so unique, uh, Mo's M.O. is to Let's see what we have. Let's put a plan together. Let's see what's working and not working, and then in June and July, let's make the adjustments to make a run late. Happened again. I mean that that is kind of the way the Cardinals work it. Now, every winter they'll make a trade, they'll make a move, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if Mo elects to bring in a big bat, um, uh, maybe a DH if that's the way uh, the National League's going, and everybody we all seem to think it is, adding a bat to a lineup that really came together the last, what, five, six weeks of the season, Um, really makes you excited for 2022. And moreover, getting more pitchers back healthy with Flaherty, Hudson, Hicks, to what you already have, uh, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't be supremely optimistic for next season.
2: Looking forward to that. By the way, I should mention that Slu Soccer, I was looking at this earlier today, is unbeaten, 9-0-3. They're ranked 14th in the country. Rammer, it's the longest unbeaten streak to start a season since 1971. I recall that team was very good. I don't believe that one won a national title, but the 72 and 73 teams all did, and 69 for that matter. Uh, Slu Soccer's back.
4: Soccer's back. Kevin Kalish is doing an unbelievable job. The team is extremely deep, extremely deep. They can, they'll, they'll run at you all night long. And uh, I've seen a couple of games and they, uh, and and they've got the scoring touch up front. They got some great uh, combos up there led by Klein, who I think leads the, uh, leads the nation in assists. I believe, uh, See some Billiken soccer. Only a couple more home games left, and you got to go see him play if you love the game. Kalish has done a great job bringing Billiken soccer back.
2: You are absolutely correct. Klein leads the country in assists with 12 already this season. A win over VCU last night. One Final the score was 4-1. Yeah, went to Richmond and got the job done on a Saturday night. Will you appreciate it very much, Rammer. You have a great day, and I can't wait to hear you on KMOX.
4: I am so looking forward to it, to be back on KMOX, and you and I talking Billiken basketball and whatever else we come up with all winter long. Thanks, Tom.
2: Thank you. Bob Ramsey, the voice of the Billikens on Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Tom Ackerman. Quick break. Back with more right after this.
1: Fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday Morning. And it's a gunner. Big fly. Nolan R. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: Welcome back. Great to talk to Bob Ramsey and get into a college basketball conversation. When that fun? College basketball season is upon us very soon. By the way, speaking of that, Gonzaga's coach, Mark Few, is going to miss two exhibition games and the first game of the regular season and that'll be a big game. They're playing Texas on November 13th. The expected top 10 teams going head to head. They'll definitely both be in the top 10. I think Gonzaga is going to be preseason number one. Uh, why? Because he had uh, he was arrested last month on suspicion of driving under the influence. And he's apologized for what he calls a regretful decision. So Mark Few, the coach of Gonzaga, is going to be out for a few games, in fir- including that first regular season game. Uh, we mentioned so many things in this hour. We talked college football. We got into Bob Ramsey and talking college basketball. We've touched on the NFL a little bit. We'll do it a lot next hour. We did, had a segment on the baseball playoffs and John Mosellock is going to be with us at 1130. We even got into a conversation with Brian Kelly extensively about the blues roster, but there's even more going on. I mean, I mentioned Tyson Fury beating Deontay Wilder and we got into that discussion this hour, but there's more. Adam Schenck has a one stroke lead over Matthew Wolf into the final round of the PGA's Shriners children's open. That's going on in Las Vegas Jin Young-Ko is chasing history as well as her third LPGA title of the season, a 2-under 69 to take a four-shot lead at the Founders' Cup in New Jersey, her 13th consecutive round in the 60s. That is one off the LPGA record that Annika Sorenstam set during a four-tournament stretch in 2005, and the U.S. Women's Open champion shares second at 9-under, Phil Mickelson has a two-shot lead. He's trying to win for the third time in four career starts on the PGA Tour champion. Still wish he would have been here for the Ascension. Maybe we can get him next year. Uh, he went eagle birdie birdie in a three-hole stretch for a 567 in Jacksonville, Florida. Speaking of golf, today at 6 o'clock at the Ritz-Carlton, it's the terrific 12th annual Ozzie and Friends Gala Benefiting PGA Reach, the Gateway Foundation, the Gateway PGA Reach Foundation, and I can't wait to be with the Hall of Famer tonight, Ozzie Smith, and we'll be on stage with Hall of Famer Johnny Bench. So I'm going to step aside and have Ozzie interview Johnny Bench on stage tonight at the Ritz. It's a great, great event. I can't wait to see everybody there benefiting PGA Reach. If you do, I'm told if you want to get in there, I think there are still a few spots left if you want to grab a seat at one of the tables inside the ballroom at the Ritz. And that website is ozzysmithgolf.com. I think those are 250 a a plate. It's Tom Ackerman at Sports on a Sunday Morning. We continue next.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?